Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 6 of the Taking His Hand podcast presented by TruthBooks.com. I'm Lance Taylor. I'll be your host, and we're joined today by the author of the newest volumes of our Truth Commentary series, Genesis 1 and 2, Mike Willis. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you. It's a joy to be with you. So glad to have you. I want to remind everyone that's listening that the purpose of this podcast is to uh, share resources and to connect you so that you can learn and grow by hearing discussions about materials, books, products, and more, uh, as well as just topics of interest to Christians uh, while we talk with authors, educators, suppliers, developers about the latest news and notes for you from a biblical view. Uh, it's been fun bringing these episodes to you and getting to talk to some of our authors in particular, and I know we're going to enjoy talking to Mike today. Uh, Mike, as we introduce this, I, I really want to introduce you. You've been a long-time uh, servant to uh, Truth Publications as a whole organization, going back to the days before it was known as Truth Publications, obviously. And uh, just like for you to take a moment maybe and share some of your history with the organization, uh, and we certainly uh, want to congratulate you on at least a semi-retirement right now, uh, but we're very glad that you're still working with us as an author and, and an advisor to our publishing team. Thank you, Lance. I started editing Truth Magazine in 1976, December uh, of 1976, when my brother's health and some other things came up that he was no longer able to do it. I'd been associated with the foundation probably five years before that as well. But during the 40 years that I was editor of the magazine, I, I was able to not only uh, get the magazine out, but we were able to develop to a large degree our resources in uh, publications put out by the Guardian of Truth Foundation and now Truth Publications. At the time, the heart of our uh, publications consisted almost exclusively to the Truth in Life workbooks. Now, um, Word in the Heart, I believe, is the way it is called now. Right. Yeah, and, and that, uh, you know, the, the years with the magazine, I think, is something that really stands out in my mind as well, because uh, that's a that's a, a really great task every month uh, to produce that magazine, and uh, one of the longest standing publications that's out there for Christians. And uh, Mark Mayberry now heads that up as our editor, but uh, maybe talk a little bit to our listeners about that work in particular and how they can benefit from seeing something like Truth Magazine on a monthly basis. Well, actually, when I started, we were weekly. And <laughs> oh, the okay. deadlines were every <laughs> Monday that you had to deal with. Uh, it was a smaller number of pages, of course, but we put out 64 pages a month in wow. contrast to 32. Uh, but we were at a time whenever the periodicals were reaching a lot more people than they are today, and uh, we were able to have uh, quite an influence on what brethren were able to understand and see through the periodicals. I always thought that sending the magazine to all the members of our congregation kept our congregation more informed about the uh, issues that were out there potentially facing the uh, Lord's people, and I still feel that being abreast with the issues out there is, is the best defense against apostasy that can happen. And I really appreciate the good job that uh, Mark is doing editing the magazine, the good job that Kyle Pope does with the rebranding of our products. They're just outstanding, and it was good for me to step aside so 
new blood could do better than I could do. <laughs> well, we really appreciate it. You have been uh, such a, a servant uh, to so many, and uh, we want to congratulate you for that. Thank you for that, and and wish you the best in at least a semi-retirement. I know you still got a lot going on, <laughs> but uh, we want you to keep it up, and and uh, we're very thankful for that. Thank you. Well, let, let's turn our attention to the topic today. This new uh, set of commentaries, Genesis one and two. I've got one of them here for you to see. It's a very beautiful book. Uh, it's been a great seller for us already early on, and um, I, I just like to hear, I guess, first and foremost. Uh, why this commentary is so important. And uh, I think from my standpoint, I think, well, it's Genesis. It's the beginning. It's It's got to be important uh, for all of us. But I'd like to hear from you as the author, you know, why uh, our listeners need to look at this as such an important addition to their any commentary set that they have. Well, I don't know whether this book is going to be so important, but the book of Genesis really is. <laughs> and I really have enjoyed studying the book of Genesis. It answers so many of the questions that are fundamental to existence. Who am I? Why am I here? What is life's purpose? And in the day of the sexual revolution that is going on in America and the transgender movement, it even answers the questions of why do we have gender and sexuality? The book of Genesis is also a very important book because it has been a battleground book for so much in doctrinal and theological issues of 21st century man. The first chapter challenges foundational beliefs of atheistic secularism, the dominant uh, belief in our culture today. Atheists believe that matter is eternal, that life came from non-living matter, and then after it came into existence, it evolved over billions of years. But the Bible starts off by saying, in the beginning, God. It was not matter that is eternal, it is God. In the 1920s, George Lemaire, a Belgian scientist, proposed the Big Bang Theory to explain the origin of the universe. Based on the expansion rate of the universe, scientists calculated the time when the universe began to be 13.8 billion years ago. And from that point when the universe began, they think that by random chance, life began from non-living matter, abiogenesis which science really itself disputes. Life cannot come from non-living matter. And that it evolved by random chance over these billion years. This is the creation myth that is being taught in the public schools of America. And just like you can read the creation myth of ancient Egypt, and the creation myth of the Sumerian people, we are now in the middle of a creation myth for 21st century America. Genesis is also important because of its discussion of the universal flood. This too is a battleground uh, for materialists. Those who do not believe in miracles, say the flood narrative of Genesis 6, 
is nothing but a local flood. But in 1906, J. Rhyme had already collected 302 texts from many different cultures, which demonstrated that the belief in a flood, a universal flood, like the creation narrative itself, is a part of the common property of humanity. Genesis also introduces us to the Abrahamic promise, and that's really the foundation for the coming of the Messiah, that through the seed of Abraham all families of the earth would be blessed, and through the three promises given to him, a nation and a land and that seed, we get the structure of the entire Bible laid out for us in the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12. Yeah, and, you know, as you talk about all those things, I mean, that's just kind of touching the hem of the garment, so to speak. There's just so much uh, that begins in Genesis and kind of dictates, if you will, where your faith goes from there. And so many of these really tough issues, uh, like you said, they begin there, uh, and it's so important for us as Christians to study that and understand that and and, uh, solidify our faith uh, on those things. I guess the next question I wanted to kind of ask is, when we think about this one as far as uh, compared to other commentaries, and I don't want to really get into too much comparison, but when they see, when customers see the the logo that we have, the you know Truth Publications and Truth Commentaries in particular, you know, that's this is part of a larger set, a larger effort uh, to bring commentaries on each of the books of the Bible to existence for Christians. Uh, you've been a part uh, of so much of that. Maybe tell our listeners why when they look at truth commentaries, not just Genesis, but all of them, uh, that they're looking at something that they can trust and um, how it's different in that way. I distinctly remember the times when we met in board meeting session to talk about this set of commentaries. Uh, Brother Melvin Curry was initially chosen to be the editor for this set. Uh But after a period of time and his involvement in Florida College being so great, they asked me to take over to be the editor. But our purposes were largely structured by that meeting we had with Melvin Curry that we wanted to have a set of commentaries that challenged a person to think, but to guide Christians to a deeper understanding of Scripture was its purpose. There are many commentaries on every book of the Bible, and quite a few of them are exceedingly good. An inexperienced reader, however, that is relatively new in the faith, may absorb some of the especially Calvinist belief that is behind so many of the commentaries that are written. And so we wanted to have an experienced gospel preacher who was solid in his faith to go through those excellent commentaries to pull together the best out of them and put out a commentary that we could give to a relatively young Christian and say you can read this to sort of work your way through what the scriptures say and grow in your faith. As this was being done It was never intended that this set be on the cutting edge of 
a biblical scholarship at the 1980s or even in the 21st century. But what it was designed to do was to help Christians grow from newborn Christians to mature Christians by providing them something that would not get them so bogged down in details that they lost interest in it. And it would not be so superficial that it skipped over questions that they might have about a verse. Sometimes you'll turn to a commentary, especially the ones that are one-volume commentaries or something of that nature, and you have something you're asking for specific help on. And you get over there and read the little paragraph that they have, and they say nothing about it. We used to say <laughs> they observed the Passover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I've I've been on that end of things as a preacher <laughs> myself, where you're you're really looking for a specific thing for a class or a sermon, and it's like, man, it just really didn't get addressed here. Uh, so that that is a, a needed area for for so many. We um, looked at the Gospel Advocate commentaries that have been already present and had helped Christians an awful lot. There are some weaknesses in the Gospel Advocate series, but the one we really focused on was the ones that Guy N. Woods had written. He wrote the ones on James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and later added the book of John, but at that time I don't believe that was uh, yet in print. I think C.E.W. Doris wrote the one that was in the original uh, gospel advocate set, but we thought he had a good uh, level at, that he wrote on, and we tried to reach that same level in what we prepared. Yeah, um, we'll talk more about that in a second. I want to mention for for those that are uh, listening to us, you may not be all that familiar with uh, Truth Publications. Um, maybe in the Athens area, more have come to know us as CEI Bookstore. Uh, being in the Athens area in a brick-and-mortar building since the 1950s. Uh, you can find us online at truthbooks.com. Uh, but as an organization, our purpose is to publish and provide trustworthy Bible-based books and resources to help you and your church grow closer to God. So I, I really would invite you to visit our website, truthbooks.com, and, and look for the Truth Publications or Truth Books branding as you shop. Uh, because those are the books that are put together by this organization specifically. Of course, we offer so many others, as Mike mentioned, even the Gospel Advocate commentaries as well. Um, and we would encourage you to use all of those as resources to study your Bible. Uh, but we're trying to, to stick to God's Word ultimately in what we're doing. And um, Mike, in, in what you mentioned a moment ago about Guy Wood's writing, uh, the level and the style, I, I guess that pr- provokes a follow-up question. When you look at your commentaries here, Genesis 1 and 2, uh, you know, what reader, what Bible student, what level would you say you're writing to, and uh, how can that help maybe our listeners in in approaching uh, the study of this book? Well, before I answer that question, let me just tell you that when I grew up as a boy in East Texas, I was born in 1947, so I'm talking about uh, (laughs) early 1950s, we were reading the CEI literature that Benny Lee Fudge put out. Yeah. And that's what I grew up on as a child attending a country church in East Texas. Yeah. So I've appreciated, not at that time, I didn't recognize CEI, and I was an adult before I even learned what CEI meant. But <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, uh, 
we have appreciated the work this foundation has done for so many years. You ask about uh, what level we were writing on. I find many times people ask me a question about what is a good commentary on a certain book. I always take the time to answer that question like this. Your question is like asking, what is a good math book? <laughs> a good math book for a fourth grader and a good math book for a tenth grader are different. And yet there are good, good math books for each of those levels. The same is true for studying the Bible. What's a good commentary for me? It depends on where you are. We publish another set of commentaries called Zur Commentaries. And I would recommend Zur Commentaries for the most elementary student that we have. If you do not have uh, a real basis at all in Scripture, and you'd probably try to read Genesis and get bored trying to work through 1,500 pages of my <laughs> commentary on Genesis, and you don't want to know that much about it, you might find that Zur is exactly what you need. But if you're wanting to get a little deeper, the Truth Commentary series meets that need very well. Having edited the whole set of Truth Commentaries, I'm pretty much in a position to say that we've succeeded in putting together a readable, interesting, and challenging set of commentaries. I find our commentaries in the libraries of most of the preachers that I have an opportunity to associate with. I'm a bookworm, so when I go to a preacher's office, I will maybe be talking to him, but I'm looking at his shelves. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what he's reading and what he's seeing. And I frequently see a, a shelf of books like you have on this behind me of the Truth yeah. Commentary series that you just recognize from the cover designs that are there. They're reading that. And in addition to them, I've gone into the homes of elders and deacons and see that they too are buying these books and finding them useful. So I think that anybody with a high school education can appreciate the works that have been produced and are well enough advanced in their study of Scripture that they'll profit from these books. Yeah, and I would echo that. We see that here in the bookstore and through the website and on the phones that um, these these books are of great value to preachers and teachers uh, across the board, and uh, we have seen uh, so many you know benefit and seek them out. Uh, it is worth noting here that we are going through a cover design change as we bring these new ones into print and as the old ones sell out. Um, into a more modern look, uh, if you will. But there are so many that still want that classic look, and so I would encourage our listeners to reach out to us and get a hold of what's left. We, we have uh, a few of those left, but they're going very fast. Um, well, to kind of wrap it up today, Mike, what's, what's something that's uh, of, of maybe personal interest to you or a section of Genesis that stands out in your mind as you look back on putting these two volumes together and maybe something that might pique the interest even more uh, of those who are looking at these books? Oh, this is a little bit of a harder question. I'm glad you <laughs> gave me a preview that you were going to ask it <laughs> because I had to stop and think about things. And usually, instead of having an immediate answer, about two days later, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I started 
work on this commentary, I'm ashamed to tell you, 25 to 30 years ago. Oh, it wow. took me that long to finish it. I did not work on it nonstop during that time. I was editing the magazine. I was preaching. I was writing workbooks for Bible classes and editing all of the things that we published during that time. So anytime I didn't have anything else going, I'd get back out to Genesis. And what I found, it was like peeling an onion that every time you take off one layer and you just enjoyed it so much, all of a sudden there's another layer under there that you want to read it. So you go back and study it. I found Genesis that way. I never tired of studying Genesis. It just kept my attention that long. Uh, but one of the things that I really appreciated was when I went through the flood narrative, I became aware of the structure of Hebrew writing in a way that I did not see before. I saw pretty early that Genesis is put together with these headings, these are the generations of. And you find the structure of the book of Genesis follows that outline of those, these are the generations of. But when I went through the book, uh, the narrative of the flood, I became aware of a mirror image uh, aspect of the writing of that section on the flood. You've probably noticed it in chapter 7. Um, God announced to Noah seven days beforehand that there was going to be seven days and the flood was going to come. And then there was seven days later, he speaks to him again. Then there's 40 days of rain, 150 days that the water prevailed. And then when you come to chapter 8, when it's over, there's 150 days when the water abates. There are 40 days after that that the land is drying out. Seven days when it sends out the raven and then the flood. And he waits another seven days, sends the dove out. And you have this mirror image that comes together like that in that. And when you look at that in the organization, not just of those two chapters, but the whole six through nine, you've got a 13-pronged set of legs coming out, and the very middle words of it are, God remembered Noah. All of these things build up until the flood is destroyed and wiped out. What's going to happen to Noah? God remembered him, and then it begins to reseed and go away. Wow. And then, what is more important also is that there are four times at critical stages where you have God remembered. God remembered Noah at that point. He remembered Abraham just at the time of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed. And because he remembered Abraham, Lot's life was saved. He remembered Rachel, whose womb was barren, until finally he gave her the son, Joseph. And these critical points show an organization to this book that I've done a little bit of writing. I could never put a book together 
that had this kind of structure to it. And I walked away with this feeling that I'm in the presence of a writer that's not just human. I saw the divine hand of God in these structures that were so intricate that intertwined and wove together this book. And because I was aware of what happens in Genesis studies, that they have this idea that some redactor in about the uh, 5th century pulled together all these stories he had heard about Genesis, uh, about Israel's history around the campfire and just threw them together to create this book. (laughs) That didn't happen. No. There are too many evidences of this kind of structured work in the book for it to have been written that way. And I came away with a deeper appreciation for the inspiration of God. Well, that's fantastic. And that's that's the kind of thing that you, you want to get as a reader, as a student, uh, and looking at a, a good commentary, as, as you talked about. So we're confident that our listeners will, will benefit from uh, adding these two volumes uh, to their uh, library, to their shelves, and uh, and more than that, to open them up and open them with God's Word and, and go along for the journey of, of really studying it uh, in depth. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you so much. This has been a joy to get to talk to you about these books and uh, to see them come to life and, and uh, see them going out the door to so many places. I want to invite folks who are listening to go to truthbooks.com and order yours today. Uh, we have extended the special bundle uh, opportunity for a little bit longer since we're having trouble keeping them in the warehouse right now and we, we're experiencing some delays in shipping them out because of that, waiting on another print run to come in. Uh, we're extending the bundle price for $75. You get both volumes as well as uh, links to the digital download uh, if you provide us with an email address. So uh, I invite you to go to, to truthbooks.com or call us today uh, at CEI Bookstore and we'll be glad to, to help you with that. Uh, Mike, again, thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners um, for listening and getting a chance to learn about the importance of studying God's Word and the resources that can help you. Uh, Mike, anything else you want to add today? I want to thank Truth Publications for publishing my works. If I had not had Truth Publications available to me, probably my books would not have been published. (laughs) So I am so thankful for the opportunity to work with this organization to distribute my materials. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you and all of our authors who work with us. Uh, We're looking forward to continuing this series and talking to more uh, about these good works. Um, We want to, again, thank you, the listener. We value your feedback. Uh, If there are guests or topics or improvements that you would like to see, we invite you to let us know. You can email us at podcast at truthbooks.com or reach out to us inside CEI Bookstore and Truth Publications. We'll be glad to talk to you and see what we could do to help. But uh, for now, I want to encourage everybody to uh, continue taking His hand, taking God's hand as we help each other toward that heavenly home, and we'll see you next time. Oh.